Blog Talk Radio. Let your power fall when your name is called. Prove the doubters wrong. God, you're still mighty and strong. So fight this battle for me. And help my unbelief So I can tell all my friends You've won again That you have won again Let your power
So I hope y'all embrace her as much as I have and and, and go buy her books because we're going to talk about her books and stuff tonight. But I'm going to read a little bit of her bio, but I'm, I'm telling you, by the time we get off this show tonight, she's going to introduce herself. So best-selling, award-winning author Michelle Stimson has penned more than 25 Christian fiction books including traditional bestsellers, Divas of Damascus Road, the highly acclaimed Fallen into Grace, and Amazon number one bestseller, Stepping Down. She has also published more than 50 short st- stories through her educational publishing company. Can we just put a pen in it right there? 25 <laughs> books, <laughs> 50 short stories. Lord have mercy. Oh, Jesus, one of these days. Through her educational publishing company, WeGottaRead.com. Michelle holds an English degree from Jarvis Christian College and a master's degree in education from the University of Texas at, at Austin. Whoop, whoop, because y'all know I, how I want to live in Texas so bad. She is a part-time language arts consultant and serves in women's ministry at her home church, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. She and her husband have two young adult children and one crazy dog. So without further ado, I introduce you to Michelle Stimson. Woo, y'all. Woo-hoo. Hello, Sandra. I'm good. How are you, my sister? Listen, I'm doing good. I'm so glad that you, I know you're so busy, um, but I'm so glad that you took time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us tonight on um, Full of Persuaded and unpack that Holy Ghost book bag and just (laughs) let all of Jesus just jump on out. Glory to God. Now, you know, you're going to have to uh, warn the sister because that song right there will take somebody all the way in. And then you got to come back. Listen, that song is something. That's my favorite. I'm going to get in trouble, Jesus song. And I have to be reminded, you know, that his power need to fall and not mine. <laughs> Amen. 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 I'm so glad to be here. Oh. Thank you so much for having me for those kind words. I really, really appreciate it. You know, you, you make my heart glad because um, this is a tough business. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this book writing, boy, you got to have some thick skin. This is not right. for the faint of heart. And um, and you, as I said earlier, you were the first um, best-selling, you know, author to not shun me and, um, you know, kind of ignore me when I ask questions and, you know, because we know that kind of stuff goes on. But it's the, that's right. the kind of stuff you remember, though. You're, you're like, oh, God, you know. Have I effectively, wow. you know, gotten myself kicked out of Christendom? But then you learn <laughs> that everybody is not in that space. So I thank so God for you. I got kicked out of Christian fiction before I got started. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and oh that's okay. Um, um, because what I've learned three years into this is that, mm-hmm. you know, God uses those, our experiences and our, and our sum total of our lives, you know, and so... He knows that that urban is what I am, and that <laughs> and that's what he I know. He makes you. which, you know, but which brings me to Mama B. Okay. Now, okay. well, you know what? Let me see. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and crack this open. Okay. Mama B is like somebody's big mama. Yes, she is. So we can always use some words of wisdom. From Big Mama, but first I want you to tell mm-hmm. us about the Big Mama series. Mama B, I'm sorry, I messed that up, y'all. Well, you know, Mama B, it's okay. Ooh. You know what? In my in my 
computer, it is the first book is saved as Big Mama's Memories. So you're not far <laughs> off. My group, my writing group, gave her Mama B just so that she would be a little bit more distinct. But yeah, she is kind of everybody's Big Mama. Um, but oh. Mama B is, uh, you know, she has inspired me just as a believer. And the Holy Spirit is just so good to give us characters and situations that grow us as we write them even. Um, and so Mama B is 70, you know, in the first book, she's 72 years old, and she uh, was a widow. And, you know, she's just living her life serving the Lord. And in every book so far, somebody has come along that needed a whole lot of help. And Mama B is helpful, but she's not necessarily wanting to take people in because it's one thing to give somebody a hot plate. It's another thing to invite somebody into your house. <laughs> and so that that's a whole other world. And so in every situation she's helping that person but the Lord is working something out in her too. And there's a little there's a little romance that happens with Mama B too, so mama Yes. Um yes. I, I, t- I tend to believe that our characters um, mean something to us. You know what I mean? Definitely. I think that mm-hmm. our, the characters that we create become important um, to us. So can you tell us how important is Mama B um, to you and to your readers? Well, to me, she kind of keeps me grounded in a way. I mean, I'm, I'm always in the Word, thank the Lord, uh, but when I get ready to write a Mama B book, there's a certain type of a mindset that I have to be in. And that doesn't just come from just, you know, watching TV all day, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. It really is a matter of, because Mama B is 73, so she's much older than I am. And so for me to mm-hmm. sound like her and have her wisdom, it can't come from me. It has to come from the Word. It has to come from the, from the eyes of somebody who's been here three generations, and I haven't been here that long. So, mm-hmm. um for me, it's it's a very humbling experience, and it's even sometimes um, much more spiritual than writing other books. Um, for my readers, some of the feedback that I've gotten has just been glorious unto the Lord, and that people say, you know, when I'm reading Mama B, I feel like a better person. Like I'm thinking differently. I'm I'm reasoning differently when I'm reading a Mama B book. So you need to hurry up and write another one. So, mm. so like, well, why are you yeah. me why you could be reading the word? <laughs> but you know, there are people who will read a novel before they'll read the word. And and Mama B's lifestyle comes out of years of spending time with the Lord, years of of quiet time alone with Him. She speaks to Him more than she speaks to anybody else in her life. So that's that's what I aspire to as a believer, and I hope that it does this. I'm, I'm pretty sure it does the same thing for the reader. Absolutely, you said. Um that it takes a special mindset to be mm-hmm. able to write mm-hmm. um, write that. What do you do to prepare yourself? I know what I do, but I want to hear, um, you know, tell our readers some of the things that you, because you just don't sit down and go clack, 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 and it comes out. Mm-mm. You talked about no. how do you get in that mindset? Well, thankfully, um, I don't work full time at this point, and so I don't really write until I've, probably had a good hour, an hour and a half in the Word, just just in the, not necessarily with the Bible open, although that's a part of it, but just in his presence. I mean, just in the secret place of the Most High. So just being mm-hmm. in that presence and listening to what he would have me to say. And then as I'm writing, when I get stuck and I don't know what to do, well, I have to remind myself, you know, 
Doritos are not going to solve the problem. <laughs> so let mm. me get back in the, in the yeah. prayer closet, try to figure out what Mom B needs to do next. So, yeah. you know, just that going to the Lord, and he's He's just so faithful um, to get to get us through each chapter and through each scene in a way that glorifies him. Amen, amen. You also said something that resonated with me. Um, I personally, I know that God has called me to write books to people that may that may not ordinarily pick up a Bible. Um, mm-hmm. And you were talking mm-hmm. about that time that it takes to get you in that um, place and in that mindset and also mm-hmm. relating it to who may read your work. So do right. you think that if... if Mm, I can say it's not offending anybody. If if you had to identify a tar- a target audience um, mm-hmm. for your books, who 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 do you think is most mo- most likely to say, "Hey, I'm going to get them"? It just depends on the book, honestly. Um, I've written some books. Uh, my I have a series called um, "A Few Good Men," and those are younger characters. And I wrote those with my nieces in mind. My nieces are anywhere from 14 all the way up to 22 or 23. So I don't think they would read a Mama Bee, but they might. But I think they would really like to read a book with a, about a really cute 21-year-old guy. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, it just depends on what I'm writing and what, you know, yeah, they want to see that man. So, I mean, just who am I writing for? Where might they be spiritually? Um, and what are the things that I want that the Lord, I feel the Lord wants them to be grounded in? Mama Bee is given a lot of wisdom on how to keep your man and, you know, how to even how to keep your house clean. Well, mm-hmm. a 21-year-old woman is trying to get a man or maybe not even thinking mm-hmm. about a man, you know. And so they're in a different season for, you know, you know to, to be ministered to. And so I think that's, that's – so I can't really say that my books are for a specific group. Maybe I need to be more specific. I know my agent probably would love it if I would, but, you know, you just write <laughs> what the Lord would have you to write. Yes, absolutely. Um you wrote something on your first your Facebook page that made me want to go double like, triple like, quadruple like. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about concentrating on where we're at with God. On your Facebook page, you wrote um, you talked to your son about um, how hard level one of your five k training was, yes. and he told you to yes. and he told you to <laughs> walking during during the walking periods. I need to be deliberate about recovering. Slow down my heart rate with my breath and my speed, and don't think about how how hard the next leg will be. Just concentrate right. on recovery for the full ninety seconds. There's a life lesson yes. in there. Yes, oh. that broke me down. I'm telling you, I joined this. It was at a couch to five k, and the five k mm. is May thirty first, so I'm getting there. But the first week, I mean, the first week is like walk for five minutes. And then you run, or you don't really run. Like, I just jog. You can run, you can jog, whatever, for, like, 90 seconds. And then you rest for, like, 90 seconds. And then you, I mean, you just kind of mm-hmm. alternate that. And I was spending all of my resting 90 seconds worrying about the running 90 seconds, being upset <laughs> about the 90 seconds we just did, counting down and, and lamenting the 90 seconds to come. And I, my, and I, it was wearing yeah. me out. And so my son, who's in the military, and I, he claims, like, he runs eight miles now. But, um... <laughs> He said, yeah, Mom, it's like, what were these? I said, well, what? I'm like, I'm dying out here. He said, you need to rest in those rest times. You need to really, really just rest. And so 
what it did for me as a believer was to to really be more deliberate about my Sabbath day, whether it's Sunday or Wednesday, because my schedule is kind of crazy this weekend. I'll be ripping and running all weekend long. So really, Monday will probably be my Sabbath, or Tuesday will be my Sabbath. But whatever Mm. that day is, to be deliberate about resting, to be deliberate about Mm. not returning emails, not getting on Facebook, not – because once the computer is on, stuff happens. And yes. so the Lord is just I mean, to take all those notifications off the phone. I mean, like to actually turn my phone off, which is like amazing to me. But that's how you get to recover. You don't get to recover if you're still thinking about the other 90 seconds. And it has made a mm. huge difference in how I run on the field uh, or on the track and, and then how I'm working at home as well. Mm. Phew. You know, because it makes me think about, how we have spiritual battles and mm-hmm. we get so caught up in the spiritual battle we just came out of we don't rest we don't recover yeah. at, mm-hmm. during that season of um where God has a hedge about us you know right and, then um, you get and that really, yeah and you and, and you get cuz I've been there and that's why I can speak on this, of you get so caught up in the pain and the disillusionment, mm-hmm. the just being weary mm-hmm. of a battle mm-hmm. that when the battle is over, <laughs> that you have not <laughs> taken a moment to just kind of say, just exhale to recover in that time, you know, right, or right. or or if you're like me, you're like, oh Jesus, I know another one is coming, you know. I've been that right. person in my life, like myself crazy but we have to really focus on we just have to really concentrate on where we are with god that day that minute you know that moment it's so powerful it's so powerful because one of the things that my son said to me was he said when you get ready for your next 90 seconds you should feel like you just started this run it should not feel like you just did all it should feel like this is a fresh new run every time and so mm. going into it with that mentality, so when this next battle comes along, I'm not even stuck on what happened the last time. This is a fresh new battle, and I'm ready mm. because I rested. Gosh. But you know what? I'm going to tell you, somebody just got delivered. I know that they Glory did. God. because Glory oh, to God. God. The more I think about that period of resting and how you say you turn off your phone and, you know, disengage from your computer, we mm-hmm. have to do the same thing because we can get caught up in distractions that that yeah. that will completely zap us of our rest. It will. I was, you can't, and you think I you're resting because you laid down, but you weren't yeah. resting. <laughs> and that's why I have learned. To, I, the hardest thing for me to learn in this life was to go to bed with my TV off. Mhm. Yeah. That's powerful. If I kept that TV on all night, half the time I would mm-hmm. be up watching something, or right, something right. would wake me up, and I couldn't get back to sleep. But I would get up in the morning just as tired as I was the night before, mm-hmm. and and I came to the coast. I said, you know what? I'm being overstimulated. I have got to. Dis- right. I got to find a time to disconnect. And and right. and I even have taken my cell phone out of my bedroom because I say I got to have some time. <laughs> For my brain yeah. to just, you know, just say, okay, wait a minute. And we get so caught up in our battles and the things of this life and the stressors that if we don't take a breath and take a moment, we're going to be consumed mm-hmm. by what we're going through. Definitely, because you lose that perspective. You forget this is not your home. <laughs> mm. 
saying this you can not <laughs> Lord, you this, is, this is oh, so not your God. home, and this is so not even your battle. You just down here on a, on a on a uh, job assignment right now. This is not where yeah. you have invested yourself. This is so not it. We get all caught up like we are citizens. <laughs> oh not. my God, I love that. Oh, mm-hmm. speaking of I mean, a major concern, involved in, 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 I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But no, go ahead, I mean, go ahead. If you're on vacation, you don't get all involved in what happens at the hotel. I mean, if they got a problem, that's, I show sure has fun, but I'm not going to be here much longer. So, y'all, oh, I, hope, I, I hope y'all get y'all stuff together. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I love you know? that. Yes. Oh, my this God. I, 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 you got me there because you know what? Yeah. I like, because you just messed up my perception. You just... Okay, so <laughs> you know you got okay because I had not that see for me that's another way of to look at things when I'm in the middle of the battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. this is not my home, and 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 this is a hotel. I need to yeah, see. Okay, I got you now because see now <laughs> this stuff is just stuff that's happening to the hotel. Right, I'm right. going right. home. This is here. not. I live here. Stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not my, I don't space. care who didn't come to work that day. I don't care how many mm-hmm. towels y'all short. That has nothing to do with me. No, that's not my I issue. may be staying in the hotel, but that is not my home. So whatever is right. going on there does not impact me personally. I like mm-hmm. that. This world, woo. Well, this is who See, we I are. knew you was going to come this over here and mess me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that perspective does change everything. It, it really it does because you just you just helped a whole bunch of us. Well, glory to God. Let's let's um speaking of one of the huge concerns um concerning making this world our home is forgiveness. Um, and you mm-hmm. wrote on your Facebook page: the more I read about love in the Word, the more it looks like in order to really love someone, I suppose other than the children, you must have an opportunity to forgive them of some offense. And to be close enough to see their flaws and yet overlook them. Slap me, somebody! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. You know, I work a lot with wives. And if you're going to be a wife, it's like daily forgiveness. It's like every, like you really get to know somebody close enough to see just about everything that's wrong with them. And to be oh. able to see that and still love them, not to the, not I mean as long as it's not uh detrimental to you and it's not abusive and that kind of a thing that's a whole other thing but to be able to see someone's flaws and and overlook them in love every day I'm talking, I'm talking about every day two or three times a day that's mm. that's love right there cuz if you're only loving the people who are loving to you then that's not really love it doesn't the bible says that, you know the heathens do that mhm it's only when you mm-hmm. really get when you have an opportunity to forgive someone in a sense and you do it, that's what loving is, When it, especially in a relationship. If you want to be married 20, 30, 50 years, you're going to have to really get good at forgiveness. Um, and as I've worked with wives more, you know, and wives who are hurt, and some of them are hurt by deep things like infidelity. Some of them are hurt just by um, the fact that their husband turns out to be a mama, mama's boy, or just different things, you know. Everything is mm-hmm. not infidelity. Infidelity usually comes way after a whole bunch of resentment is already built up anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And just just to talk with women about, okay, well, have you forgiven that? No, I can't. Well, 
this is going to be an issue. I mean, you don't have to get upset about every single thing that happens. And and I think we talked. You had mentioned earlier in, in the email that you sent me also that you know the post that I wrote about you know you might have every right to be offended, mm-hmm. but you don't always have to exercise that right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can decide. Gosh. You know what? This person has offended me, or did something that is not right. Um, but do I want to be right or do I want to be married? I have to figure out how we're going to come to this middle ground. And you can go to a person oh, and say, maybe uh, we need to talk about this. Hold <laughs> up. Stop sign. Stop sign. Did you just say, okay. I have to make up my mind, do I want to be right or do I want to be married? Great God from glory. That's See, a tweetable. You can be right. You know, you, you, <laughs> you're not that oh, right. That's a tweetable that's moment. A mama that's a mama be She'll tell you, look. Some days you just gonna have to say, "All right, well, you know that's what you want to do, baby. We're gonna do what you want to do because the Lord has placed you in the at the head of this household." And if it oh, turns out, and sometimes the Lord is the Lord will honor it just because you honored it. It might not even be the best thing, but because you honored Him, whether it be your husband or your supervisor or your pastor, because you honored it and because you're in the boat, it will not sink. Michelle. You got me. That you know. Okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm still grasping. I'm still feasting. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Do you want to be right? A, let me let's take a breath. <laughs> do you want to be right or do you want to be married? Because you can be right all day and be single all day by yourself in your crib. Right, right. And I'm not oh saying that you wrong that you need to be wrong to say that, but I mean it's like, do you insist on having your way? Is I guess maybe what I mean to say too. I mean, you could be right, mm. you could be wrong, and y'all could still do what he say to do. And, and you know, husbands—it's mm. a hard job being a husband. It's a hard job being the leader of a company, being a God-appointed <laughs> leader of of, a, of sheep. It's a hard job. It really, really is. I was talking to my husband about it the other day because um, we were driving somewhere, and um, he was driving, and he was like, "Well, I don't always got to drive." So you don't always have to drive, but I like it when you drive because you're the man. He was like, oh, I get tired of being a man. What you want to be? You want me to be the man? Oh, man, I wish somebody else take over sometimes. <laughs> like being being the head of a family is hard work. Being the one who's ultimately accountable to God for this entire family, mm-hmm. yeah. that's, a, that's a huge pressure on anybody, let alone a man who's just a regular human being, you know. And so, you know, sometimes if we just let them do their thing, even if it might not be what we think is the best thing, the Lord will intervene with our husbands, mm-hmm. with our kids, with a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, and I, um, I've i had the distinct pleasure to talk to some women about um, forgiveness. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a kind of an undercurrent going on about um, forgiveness and child support, mm-hmm. you know, and, and let it go. Just not mm-hmm. saying that he don't have to provide and all that other stuff, but, you know, if he hasn't paid in 18 years, he's probably not going to. But right, um, right. um talked to some women that were so bitter about the fact that, you know, he hasn't done it in 18 years, and I hate him and his, hope his eyeballs melt. And the conversation was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah. You have to let that go, and and part of that letting go is you may need to say, you know what, you don't owe me anything. The kids are almost mm-hmm. grown now anyway, you know, right. um, and and 
part of that forgiveness and, 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 and sometimes we just have to let it go and just say, you know what, it is not my responsibility to hold you accountable. Right. That's God's right. job anyway. You know, right. and, and I found that um, when I'm talking to women that are holding on to, um, you know, just deep-rooted unforgiveness, I, I'm amazed at how we think that our unforgiveness is causing someone else pain. Right. It's right. not. No, it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I haven't had that experience of, you know, thankfully I haven't had the experience of a, you know, a, a gentleman owing me money. But I, I was, uh, my my parents divorced when I was younger, and I know that there was not child support paid for me. And so, and I'm okay with my natural father now. We're good and all this stuff. But when we did mm-hmm. finally begin to talk, there was some resentment on my end as a child. Mm-hmm. I knew that there hadn't been anything. I think he gave me $20 once for a radio. And I bought a radio with it in the fourth grade, and that was all I ever saw. Now, I really don't know what happened to him and my mom. They got two different stories. I can't even tell you. But, <laughs> you know, I don't even know all that. But here's what I finally said to him, because he was trying to give me his side of the story, and I was an adult at this point. And I, I, honestly, I didn't even care what I said right. to him. And what I think he even appreciated me saying to him was, you know what, I have never wanted for anything. All the days of my life, the Lord has taken care of me. So even when mm. we say he's a father to the fatherless, there's never been a time in my life where the Lord didn't give me what I needed on this day. Now, I might not have what I need tomorrow or the week after that, but give me my bread this day. Mm-hmm. That's has always, oh. always done that. That's, there's never come a time when he didn't do that. And so I can't get mad at you because God did what you didn't do. Yes. And whatever oh, you don't get from your parents, you can get from the Lord. So, yes, that's it. Mm, He's just mm. good like that. He's you're not the I'm not the first person the Lord has provided for, and I won't be the last. You know, and and so it has opened up a door for the two of us to you know carry on. We're not the best of friends. We're not enemies, but you know, mm-hmm. it just it is what it is. I don't know why he didn't pay. I know I I know that it, that even though he didn't pay. My mother, I know that um, that he I, he suffered in ways that mm-hmm. I probably will never know. Mm-hmm. Not that I wanted him to, but I'm just saying it happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Right. Speaking right. of that, let's talk about the spirit of offense, especially mm-hmm. among the mm-hmm. household of faith, because boy, we can get offended. Lord oh, knows, you gonna make me turn my head down. <laughs> oh gosh. And you said, yeah. I may have every right to be offended, but it's not mandatory mm-hmm. that I exercise that right. No, it is not. I mean, the world has taught us that, you know, people need to treat us a certain way, and we need to be, they need to do this to us and respect us. But, you know, they didn't do that to Christ. They didn't treat mm-hmm. Christ a certain way. They didn't, and Christ didn't expect people to treat him a certain way. Mm-hmm. He just didn't. He was humble. He was humble to come to the earth as as a as a lowly man, as a, born in a manger. I mean, he deserved to be, you know, to be live to have a silver spoon in his mouth at birth. But he he didn't ask for all of that, and he didn't expect other people to treat him a certain way. And as a result of that, everybody loved him. Everybody who was well, I shouldn't say everybody because some people are just hating on him. But I mean, people, the children love Jesus. When kids love you. You know, that that lets you know right there they see something in you. Kids can tell when people are fake and when people are just, you know, doing mm-hmm. silly things. Kids love Jesus. 
and he loved children, mm-hmm. and he was just good and humble. So for us to expect, I mean, I think that we can appreciate when people treat us a certain way or that kind of thing, but to appreciate that and to expect it is two different things. Mm. I like that because we do. We, appreciate we, everything. We, yeah. We some crazy folks sometimes, and we are <laughs> by everything. I um I, I do this thing on my Facebook page every now and then just to keep some drama started. I do these questions mm-hmm. of the day, mm-hmm. and people inbox me the most vile students. Oh, my goodness. They are so offended about, you know, how could you ask these questions and say these things? You're supposed to be a Christian and all this and all that. And I'm like. Please get your life and get yourself together and leave me alone, you know, because people get so offended because we ask um, we ask hard questions. We ask questions mm-hmm. that um, kind of push the envelope. But I like what you said about Jesus didn't have an expectation. And if we no. let go of that no. expectation of people, because we still think, you know, we people – we come into the room and the anointing is so strong on us, you know, everything's gonna be quiet and all that other stuff. I'm like, You're crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you get a put yeah. on your pants one leg at a time just like the rest of us, you know. Um right. and right. we really have I don't to know. get rid of that. Where it's coming from. Well, I think humility is the mark of Christ. I mean, when you when we think about who he was and how he walked this earth, I mean he like I said, he deserves so much more than what he got, but he wasn't offended when people didn't treat him a certain way he just he was just he was jesus he was you know he was just a, he knew who he was and i think that's part of it when you know who you are and you know you're a king it doesn't matter mm-hmm. whether other people expect to do that or not because this, this is who you are you just roll like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think when you find arrogance you know i was reading a book this week that said arrogance and insecurity grow on the same tree Oh, and so really? when you find people who are like, "Oh, you have to treat me this way," or you know that kind of thing, then it, there's an insecurity that has that's that's all up in there, you know, that's that they're dealing with. So, you know, I love people. People are not, and people. And I'm married, so there's always an opportunity for offense mm-hmm. here at the Simpson household. Matter of fact, I just got offended because, uh, and I wrote about this, um, and something that's coming out next week. Uh, my husband told me that I was running on the treadmill too hard upstairs, and I was shaking the whole house. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh, we're trying to say you're trying to say I'm too big to be on this treadmill." <laughs> I just added a whole other thing to it. Like, so, so I was upset about, and that isn't even really what he was saying. And I was already upset about something else that had nothing to do with that. But just because my mind was in a certain place already and, uh, and upset about something, then when he said that, it just got misconstrued <laughs> in my head. And so I was offended. And the goofy thing about it was instead of me coming and saying, babe, you know, I just really appreciate what you said, I didn't say anything for like 15 minutes. And it took him a while to even realize. He's like, are you upset? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I like, all upset and offended. As if, you know, and like we're not already dead in Christ. You know, like if I was alive, if I was here, if this was me and this was my home and this is all there was to it, then yes, I'd have everybody to be upset. But I'm dead in Christ. Yeah. You really can't oh. do anything to me. You know what I mean? I'm dead in Christ. And at this point, you know, I'm 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 dead with him, I'm risen with him, I'm seated in heavenly places. 
I'm sitting in the, in the presence of the Most High. I mean, I'm just not. If I could become re- recognize where I am and where I sit and what God has called me, then it, these things that offend me won't get to me the way that they do when I'm not conscious of who I am and what He is in me already. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. Because when we're offended, it's all about it's the self party, it's the pity party, it's the focus on me, 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 me. And if we take it off of that and put it on Jesus, there's a, I can assure you, there's a lot less we'd be offended about if we focus on Christ. Amen. I like that. Can, let's talk about um, about the things that we expose our children and our families to, because I know that you are an educator, and on your page you talked mm-hmm. about. Um, if your two-year-old is getting in trouble at daycare or a school with family members for cussing, please do not punish mm-hmm. the child. Two-year-olds are mm-hmm. acquiring language at an amazing rate. At this stage, they are naturally repeat what they hear. Your child is not mm-hmm. bad. The problem is that he or she is being exposed to profanity. Even when toddlers mm-hmm. seems like they're not listening, they are paying attention to TV shows, music, and the words of the speaker around them. This is why your child is blessed to have you to monitor their environment, even if that means changing the radio station on your way to daycare. This is what parents do. No parent is perfect, but I'm sure you're a great one. You can do this. How many Amen. How many um, videos have we seen on Facebook of children just being exhibiting it totally inappropriate behavior? Oh, my gosh. You know what? I don't even look at them, Sandra. I don't. I don't because that would break my heart. Because mm-hmm. if I look, if I see a video and it has like you know twelve thousand comments, and the and the last five say this is terrible, this stuff I don't even look at it because I know it's gonna break my heart. Yes. I don't. And yes. that that particular situation that I was thinking about, and it wasn't, it didn't even take place here recently, but I was talking to a young wife, you know, that's what I do, and she said her two year old was getting in trouble at school for cussing, and um. So, you know, we started to think, okay, I said, well, you know, where is he hearing the cuss words? You know, well, you know, it's not really me and my husband. She said, but, you know, on the way to school, you know, we listen to the radio. And I I just had the radio on, you know. And I said, well, you know, maybe that's where it's coming from. And she said to me, but just because I'm a mom doesn't mean I have to change who I am, does it? And uh-huh. and she was very sincere. And she just was like, you know, I just want to still be me, even though I'm a mom. I just I still want to be me. And I said, yeah. well, you know, every you you are still you, you're still, but you are a mom now. And so there are certain things that you do. There are certain things that you listen to. There, I mean, I'm sure you don't allow your children to see you and your husband together in bed. You don't, you, there are certain things that children don't need to be exposed to at an early age. If you decide this is what you want to continue to do, then that is a, that you are free to do whatever you want to do. But if it's, if it's causing your son harm, and it is because he's going to school repeating those words, then as a parent, it is your responsibility to lessen his exposure to the extent that you possibly can. Because, uh, you know, he may go to a family union of Uncle you know, saying might cut somebody out. Well, you know, that's understandable. But mm-hmm. to, to what's in your control, you know, is the radio station. And so, you know, you just listen to Barney or whoever, or Jesus music till you get to daycare. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's what you should do in your life anyway, but this is where you mm-hmm. are and this is what you do. So yeah. be cognizant of how it's affecting your child. Absolutely. I'm talking TV shows, I'm talking radio, yeah. I'm talking everything. Because they're little yeah. sponges when they're two. They are. You can't get mad at them for repeating that. They just heard you say it. 
think my um, granddaughter, one of my granddaughters was maybe four, three or four, and my son used my car one time to pick her up, and it's been several years ago. And so she jumped out of the car and come running in through the garage and said, Grandma, he had all that music in your car. And I told him, my <laughs> grandma doesn't play that kind of music in his car. And it was hilarious. Oh. She was livid, you know. And oh I told my, my son, I said, you know, you know, that I don't listen to whatever it was you was listening to. Um, mm-hmm. And she knows. And so you don't need to be exposing her to that mm-hmm. because then when she starts saying inappropriate things and doing inappropriate things, especially that dancing they have now, then right. you're going to want right. to spank her. But, you know, right. if she see you watching BET and that's how they chucking it, you know, you can't be really – you can't be get angry at her. And I like how you put that mm-hmm. because a lot of times we don't we don't like to address it. You know, we just kind of go, mm-hmm, right. yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and we don't yeah. like to address it because the real deal is it is us. Because they don't really get to pick is. what they look at and 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 watch and 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 all that other stuff. It it comes directly back to us as parents. Yeah, and the, but the thing too, Cassandra, you know, the word tells the word tells the older women to teach the younger women how to be wise, how to love their children, that kind of stuff. You have to have a relationship with the young women before you just bust up. That skirt is too short. You know, you you can't just go mm-hmm. up to a young woman and point your finger in her face. She has to know that you care about her, that you love her, that you want the best for her before she will listen to you. And I think it's the responsibility of those of us who are, I guess I'm older. I'm 43, so I'm older than somebody. I mean, you're all, everybody's <laughs> older than somebody. You know, to, to have those conversations with them. You know, to be able to say, well, honey, you might have something. And I'm not, I haven't been a perfect parent. I mean, I know my kids have done things that I did not teach them to do and taught them specifically not to do. So, and I, because I did it and my husband did it and everybody I know did it. But mm-hmm. to be aware of of what we're consciously doing is, is important and to, and to have those relationships with the younger people. I mean, I know people who say, I don't, I don't deal with young folks because they, but, you know, we, the younger people need us. Just like they we do. need the mama bees. They need us. And yeah. for us to go around saying how awful they are and how they don't know nothing, it's because nobody's nobody's taking them under their wing and teaching them. Speaking of mama bee, mm-hmm. um, you wrote, <laughs> oh, God, this is so funny. <laughs> Tell my grandmother I was speaking, to, speaking tomorrow to a group of women. She said, any of them looking to be married? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But she goes on to say, well, if any of them are, tell them I said you can tell the man by his work habits. He can't keep a job. He probably can't keep a wife. <laughs> yeah, my grandma be saying all kinds of stuff, okay? <laughs> she cracked me up. And she always wanted to tell somebody what to do because, you know, she was married for something years. Too much oh, grandma. gosh. And uh, and they had a very tumultuous marriage, actually. And I didn't know this because by the time I came along, he was saved and they were okay. But before I came along, apparently it was crazy. But oh, uh, she just cracks me up because she's always giving me all this advice about being married. And I remember once in, in particular, I was con- I was contemplating getting a divorce, and I had talked to her, and I and she was you know telling me don't do it. I said, well, Grandma, she said, you know, back in our day, we meant what we said, blah, blah, blah. 
I said, well, Grandma, now I'm just going to be honest with you. You had eight kids. Yes, ma'am, I did. I said, so, Grandma, if you would have left my grandfather, where were you going to go? Where were you going to go with those eight kids? You, you <laughs> didn't have the option to leave. So y'all can talk about well, how y'all stayed together because y'all meant to. Okay, you, you, some of that stuff y'all put up with because y'all got no options. <laughs> and she said to me, she she said, but Michelle, because I think she got married in 1947. Yeah. She said, Mickey, that's what she called me. She said, Mickey, a covenant is a covenant, whether you made it in 1947 or 2007. Mm. And I was like, okay, Grandma, I'm going to hang up the phone now. <laughs> Isn't that yes. something? Yes, she did. Now, she said, now... Now, them ones that was married to them beaten ones, they needed to leave. <laughs> but mm. the rest of us, she said, now, that beating and that not working, she can't deal with that. But uh, oh my all goodness. the other stuff, she said she didn't work with all the rest of that. <laughs> she just had her, you know, she had her lines in the sand. A man not working with her line of sand. Beaten with her line of sand. <laughs> so she cracks me up. Oh, my goodness. I had the distinct honor last night of talking with a young lady. I say she's young. Mm-hmm. Um, who had who's been married sixty one years? Oh wow! And I love yes, I love love. Um, I'm going through a divorce myself, but I mm-hmm, love mm-hmm. love love talking to women that have had long marriages because mm-hmm. I always look for that nugget of uh, that moment of learning. Um, yeah, and I asked her last night. I said, you know, you've been married longer than I've, you know, longer than I've been living, mm-hmm. for real. Right, You right. know, um, mm-hmm. been almost married longer than my mama been living almost. And so mm-hmm. how do you, you know, how do you maintain being married 61 years? And the first thing she told me was compromise. And the second mm-hmm. thing she told me was um, my and my husband's business was not my children's business. Okay. And okay. I was like, say what, Mama? And she began to tell mm. me how her children, they never knew growing up that they argued or disagreed, that they always presented a united front and, and stuff like that. And I just love talking to women that have that kind of wow. wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Right. And our generation right. of, of quick, fast, and in a hurry, and throw it away and start over and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. um, right. I love right. hearing from women that – uh, just it's, it's like a nugget that they give me every time. So to hear your grandma <laughs> say, well, you can't even. That's <laughs> what she say. She said that you could tell a man by his, his character, by his work ethic. Oh Lord, grandma, I'm not gonna put that in the sermon. I'm not gonna make him do that. <laughs> so can you drop a couple of Mama B isms on us concerning yes, love, I dating, and relationships and marriage? Now, let me tell you, in the first Mama B book, uh, the the young lady who was staying with Mama B, was it Nikki? I think it was Nikki. She had this string of just really bad relationships with all these men. And so Mama B finally said, um, you know, I, I understand that you've been married to a bunch of, of was it, was it she, she might have said fools or something. And then she said, but after a while, after you go through so many of them, you have to wonder who's the fool, the one keep falling for them or the fools they're falling for. She didn't know. She was like, look, at some point it's got to be you. Because <laughs> you ain't going to keep staying with all these crazy men. Sometimes it don't be the men. Sometimes it's some huge, something going on with you that attracts some certain things. I'm sorry. 
Uh, yes. Let's see, where's another one in Mama B numbers? Because, you know, you, I find women who say, I want a godly man. I want a man who loves the Lord and will walk in the Lord's way. Okay, that's oh. great. So what's going on with you and your relationship now? Well, we're living together right now. Okay, well, let's just stop right there because the thing is a godly man is going to want a godly woman. A, a true man of God wants a true woman of God. So if you live yes. in your life any kind of way and he still want to be with you, there's something going wrong with him. Yes. Oh, you I love that. You can't expect him to be all holy, and then he want to be with you. And if you know you're ripping and running and doing all kinds of, I mean, I'm not saying y'all can't be together. I'm not saying the Lord can't bless y'all. But what I'm saying is if you want a godly relationship, be the godly woman that a godly man wants to be with. And I got that. And as much as it's crazy as it sounds, I got it from Alicia Keys' song. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What she said, because a real man knows a real woman when he sees her. Yes. A godly man knows a godly woman by the words that come out of her mouth and the way that she's acting. So that's and I I'm saying it's not that I was the best example of a godly. I mean, granted, I was I was pregnant when we got married. So I'm telling you this in retrospect, like, oh, yeah, I wish somebody would tell me that, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's the thing there, and then. Um, oh, Mama B um, got married later. She got married again. And she says, uh, and so at this point she's 70-something years old, and the man she married, is, he might be 65. So it was kind of, she thought she was kind of doing a little cougar thing for a minute. But she <laughs> says, I guess I thought because we, we was older and wiser and both mature in the Lord, we wouldn't have no real big disagreements. I thought we were going to sit on the porch swinging back and forth drinking country time lemonade all the time. But the real truth was hitting me, no matter how old or how young you are, how many times you get married, who you marry, or how saved you call yourself when you get married, you're still going to have to work through some problems, period. Oh, gosh. I thought well, we were going to sit on the porch and drink lemonade. <laughs> brothers on the line that are waiting for that godly mate just keep on doing what the lord would have you to do because at the end of the day it's still going to be about you giving your life and serving your life uh serving the lord and the only reason to get married as i see it is that there's something that the two of you need to do that one of you can't do by yourself oh i like that i mean because i think so we I get married it, for, for reasons that go with us Like we get married so I can have somebody to love me I can have this, I can have that But I mean that's really not even a reason to get married I mean the reason we get married is as believers Partner up in the work that he would Mm. have us to do That's it Yes. I mean in in, in the grand scheme of things To raise godly children To uh, you know, to to have one another's back, to pray one another up. I mean, when I meet a young woman who's getting married and I say, well, why do you want to marry him? Because he treats me like this. He treats me like I'm a queen. He does that. He makes me feel like the only girl in the world. Okay, that's about you, baby. Why do you love him? Mm. They can't an- and if they can't answer that, I already know. Uh, baby, here's my book. 
because you're marrying him oh. because of what he does for you. To love somebody is is about your service unto them. You need to have a man that you can get behind and cheer on because, oh, I mean, goodness. if he's just cheering you on, sweetheart, that's, that's not about your love for him. That's about his love for you at this time. Oh, God, why do you do this to me? I, I felt the zip <laughs> of that Holy Ghost book bag coming open, and I didn't have enough sense okay. to duck. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> that's deep, Michelle. Because that well, is what we say, know, right? Yes. We, but we say that's that, and we, we live by that, and we stand by that. Oh, he does this for me, or he treats me as, oh, well, that's good. God. I'm not saying you treat like a dog, but, you know. At the end of the day, what what is it that you love about him that's not self-serving? Oh, gosh. You know what? I'm going to write this down because I'm about to write this down in my journal. (laughs) You know, because, you know, when you remove all of that, why Mm -hmm. are you marrying him? Right. And if it's not, if it's not about kingdom work, then what are you Mm -hmm. doing? Right. Oh, is, is there a reason it's not self-serving? Can I say, you know, I see the Lord in him. I see God moving in him. I want to be a part of what helps him to be all that God would call him to be. And I believe that he's a, I love to pray for him. He loves to pray for me. You know, God has given us a vision for what he would have us to do together. That's ideal. I mean, I love my husband, and the Lord has grown us to that point. But if I were advising a young woman who doesn't want to go through about 10 or 12 years of foolishness before they're on the right track, as the Simpsons did, it would be, Mm -hmm. first of all, to develop your relationship with the Lord because that's what's going to impact everything else in your life. And to be able to say, you know, my husband and I, I I want to marry this man because we're both on fire for the Lord. We both have God's the kingdom goals in mind for us. And, yeah, we get to, you know, kiss and hug and all that wonderful stuff, but it's not all self-serving. I'm not just doing this for my for my own selfish reasons because that kind of stuff backfires. And then you have to go and, I mean, the Lord can still work it out. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's fixed worse things than that. I mean, it's not the end of the world. If you if you listen to this and go, oh, no, now I know what's wrong with me. Okay, just like the, the Lord just tore our whole marriage down and rebuilt it. In about year eight to twelve, he just tore the whole thing down and rebuilt the whole thing. So he's mm-hmm. able. But if you are single yeah. and looking to get married, it would be nice, um, you know, if you think through the Lord's priorities first. But even still, you know, you're always going to have stuff to work through. Mhm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about how showing God's kindness draws others to Him. Um, you wrote mm-hmm. on your page mm-hmm. the reason Moses. Did Entered the promised land was because he misinterpreted the heart of God. He made God seem like an impatient, harsh, fed-up God, when in reality the Lord told him to simply gather the people, speak, Mm -hmm. and watch God Mm -hmm. respond in kindness to their bitterness. It is his kindness that brings people to repentance. Yes. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you. Now, you know this is my soapbox right here. (laughs) Because God is so good and he is so kind and he is so much better than what people are teaching and preaching about his yes. person and his character and his nature, especially this side of the cross. I mean, you would think 
Now, God's character is still the same, even, you know, back in the day when people were getting struck down because he's holy mm-hmm. and what he says yes. goes. But in the middle of all of that, he decided to give us Jesus Christ, and Christ has paid for that. But you would think that the gospel is like, well, Jesus forgave your sins, but um, I don't really know, like, how much he paid, so you need to just kind of you need to kind of keep paying on it just in case it's not all paid. I mean, that's how the gospel is coming across. Like a mm-hmm. little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the law still because, you know, if you don't give people the law, you know, they might just act up. People don't act up regardless. You know, mm-hmm. if you're preaching to people, well, if you're going to do bad, you're going to always get bad. If you do good, you get good. That's how life works. Well, you know, if that's the philosophy, you don't need Jesus for that. You can just do karma. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. you can just do the universe. You can just do the universe for that. But if you want to be saved from your sin, you're going to need Jesus. If you want your sins wiped away, you're going to need Jesus. And that is the difference. I mean, because Christians, Jews, and even Muslims agree on a lot of stuff in the Old Testament. And I love the Old Testament because it shows you why the Lord sent Jesus because that just gets old. He helps people, then they turn away, and then you come back, and you got to draw yourself from them because you said you would, but you really love them and you want to be – all of that gets mm. old, and we needed Jesus. He wanted Jesus more than we want Jesus, I think. He wanted to save more than we did. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that, everybody, you don't need Jesus if you just want to live by, you know, do the right thing and everything will turn out right. Jesus is so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than that. And I think what I've learned to do, and this is something that the Lord is working with me on, because I've, I've asked the Lord, Father God, I need you to help me because I'm, I'm having a hard time going to churches, some churches. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, you go to visit or you go this or you just listen to something on TV and I just feel like I need to write this person a letter. But, I mean, it's like Jesus mm. is kind of tacked on at the end. Mm-hmm. Like we have this whole sermon about how you need to do better and be better and you need mm-hmm. to do right because you need to. And then at the end of it, it's like, all right, so now if you want Jesus, well, what is, we don't even know what Jesus did according to this sermon. I just need to do right, you know. Like, like I could have heard yeah. this on Oprah. I could have heard this on Dr. Phil. Where's Jesus? Yeah. Asking the question every time we hear anybody speak, where is Jesus? That right there, that changes everything. Because this is what Paul got mad at the Galatians about. And, and he got mad at so many people that he was talking to because he would tell them, preach the whole counsel of God. Because they were just preaching. They were trying to make everybody Jude, they were trying to make everybody into Jews and trying to make them keep the law and, and follow all these rules. He and But Paul was saying, listen, don't you dare preach that unless you tell them that Christ has fulfilled these laws in his mm. death, burial, and resurrection. That is the whole counsel of God. Mm. And that's what, what I'm so passionate about, that Jesus... Jesus, because, I mean, all these rules, I mean, rules are okay. The Lord said he would write his rules on our heart mm-hmm. in Ephesians 36 and 27. He said, I'll put my laws on your heart. I'm going to cause you to walk in your way and keep, in my ways and keep them. That's what God is going to do. He has order. He has, he has things that he would have us to live by. I'm not saying that you run around just naked every day, but I'm saying <laughs> that the Lord will write those things on your heart, and he's faithful to do that. The one who called you is faithful and he will do it. First Thessalonians 5 and 24, he will present you blameless before the Lord. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. But we're trying to be everybody's Holy Spirit. 
and that's not yes. our place. Ooh, you know, T.D. Jake said something one time a couple of years ago, helped me to to put my focus back to was he said, you know, you're not gonna beat me up on Sunday and call it preaching. Right, right, right. And it made me, <laughs> it made me really, really you? think. You know, it made me, it made me second guess a whole lot of stuff. And right. then I went right. to seminary school, and I realized. And then you went to where? Then I went to seminary school, and okay. I realized that people were giving messages that they were comfortable with. And and, and Jesus okay. was probably sitting back saying, what are you talking about? That don't have nothing to do with me. You know, I could imagine right. him saying, right. oh, Father, forgive me, because they really don't know what they're doing. You know, yeah. because I don't believe that we're here to beat people up and make people feel worse than they already do because they get that in the world every day. I do believe, right, like right. you said, that we have to exhibit the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. We got to mm-hmm. show it to them because I remember one particular bad period in my life. I mean, it was the pits and um, mm-hmm. going through a tumultuous time in my marriage and all that other stuff. And I had told God this particular time, I said, when I see my husband, I'm going to cuss him out. And I don't even cuss. <laughs> I mean, because at this point, I had been saved about three good years. You know, I had to quit playing church and got saved for real. <laughs> and I said, when I see him, I'm going to really give it to him, Lord. So you might uh-huh. want to go ahead and do his path. And you know what he said to me? He said, Cassandra, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. Made me cry. Yeah. I sat on my feet yeah. and I cried like somebody had took my little red wagon. And I Aww. made up in my mind that I was going to exhibit more love and mm-hmm. less of that other stuff I had been taught. And right. so I right. know people have fundamental differences with me, but I believe that it's the love of God that constrains us. It is the love of God that changes us. Yeah. It's the love of yeah. God that draws us. All that other stuff is just stuff. It's, it's what it's it is, love. Stuff. Yeah, it because it, it is, he it loves us. Yeah. And that's why yeah, I ask some of the crazy questions. Of, yeah. You know, yeah, that I ask. Because I, yes, and and, you know, the truth of the matter is the world is doing a pretty good job of beating folk up. The last thing mm-hmm. they need to do is come to the house of God and be beat up too. Yeah, yeah. This is a this is a place of hope. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of hope. Yes. I mean, Jesus came for an abundant life. Jesus came for us to have hope. I mean, otherwise, I mean, you, like I said, you could just you could if you just want to hear some principles for successful living and this general consensus that if you do the right thing, good things will happen to you. You don't need Jesus for that. Mm-hmm. You don't. Uh-uh. You can go on anybody's love and find that. <laughs> exactly. He he makes a difference. Mm-mm-mm. Well, we are at it is eight o'clock. Can you believe it? I can't. Oh my goodness, I cannot eat. You know, I just love you. <laughs> I love you, say. <laughs> but if you would, um, will you tell people how to find you? Um, Certainly. And, I, um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, tell well, tell them some more about your books, and then tell them how to find you. Because you you've written okay. seventy five books. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fifty short stories, and then some other books. 
No, the, the short stories actually are at a website called wegotareed.com. And that, I started writing short stories for my students when I taught high school um, back in the last century. And because um, I taught mostly students who were high school students, but they read on lower reading levels, like fifth grade, fourth grade. And so the stuff that they could read was like baby stuff, like little boys going outside finding butterflies. Well, they didn't want to read that because they're 17 years old and they already got a baby. So mm. I would write things that they would want to read about at their reading level, but it would be about stuff that they knew, like a girl had a baby and then she didn't want the baby, so she left the baby and went to a party. I mean, just all kind of stuff that, they, that was their lives. And so mm-hmm. um, anyway, I kept on writing those stories, and a friend of mine said, listen, if you don't put them online and sell them, I'm going to sell them and you can sue me later. So I said, well, I don't have to sue my sister. So those are at wegotareed.com. And they are not Christian stories per se because I'm selling them to the public schools. But I try to sneak some inspiration and some hope in there. Because um, a lot of times when you're working with kids who don't read well, by the time they get to high school, they're so beat down. Uh, they yeah. already know they can't read, and they don't even think it's going to – they're just – they've given up on a lot of things already. So that's that. And then uh, my website is michellestimson.com. And, of course, if you just go to uh, Amazon or whatever, if you're an online shopper, um, you can look up uh, Michelle Simpson's author page, and all my books that are available um, through there are listed. So um, it's been a pleasure to just write and uh, enjoy life through this writing. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been writing now for 11 years and teaching still on the side here and there, working with writing teachers and coaching teachers and that kind of thing. God is just good in the way that he organized all of this. I could not have asked for a better career uh, than what he created me to be. Amen. That is awesome to be walking in that thing that he that he designed you for. That is awesome. Michelle, could you please yes. take us to, I don't like to ever close out my show without um, offering up prayer because I don't know what uh, what is on the line, but I know God does. So if you put, would Amen. you please take us to the throne of grace? Thank you for the honor. Father God, we bless you for your goodness, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you are so good. And we thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan in mind for each and every one of us, Lord, that you have hope and a future for all of us, Lord God. I pray that the words that we shared on this evening will be a blessing to our listeners, Lord God, from now on until the times that you come at the end, Lord, even beyond that, Lord God, that people who might be left behind would listen to this tape and hear and see a glimpse of Jesus Christ, Lord God, and still be saved, Father God. Lord, I thank you for uh, my sister. I thank you for the words that you have given her for the the um, the leading of the Holy Spirit that she follows, Lord, um, in her work, in her personal life as well, Father God. I just pray that you would bless, that you would touch the work of her hands, Lord God, Touch the work of the hands of the listeners who have listened in on tonight, Lord God. I just bless you, Lord God. Be praised and honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us on the Fully Persuaded About Faith talk show. And um, and I know you're in Texas, and my that's my state, in, you know, in my mind. I, I, and sometimes I, I, I dream that I live in Texas. What are you waiting on? Waiting on Jesus. Okay, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm going to leave it alone. I am. I am. Because if he opened the door, I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to pack anything. I'm just going to come. Oh, I'm just going to show up. He's going to I love oh. you, Michelle. You have a wonderful night. All right. You too, sis. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, you guys, it's another episode of Fully Persuaded in the Can. 
you know how we get out of here. Now, I know I told you something last week that was a little off. I told you that we were celebrating our one-year anniversary, and essentially tonight we did. Um, We have been on the air one year tonight, so we thank God for that. But next week, Bishop Freddie Marshall is going to come and set the place on fire. Um, It's going to be a two-hour show, and we're just going to celebrate and hang out and take calls and, um, and just encourage each other to keep on keeping on. I love you. Let your power fall When your name is called Prove the doubters wrong You're still mighty and strong So fight this battle for me And help my That you have won again. Let your power flow. If your name is called, prove it down the road. Hallelujah. Ah, yeah. You're still mighty.